the journey of 52 weeks of why has given me so many thought provoking conversations and, and things that when I hear other people articulate their why, I'm kind of in this, this migration period with my own why right now with uh, an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old, things change, right? And my why has changed as a result of first being a father and being a new father and the changes that came over me when I realized that I was responsible for another life. And now moving into um, them being in school and and having to adjust that why as a dad and uh, in a career that is is very demanding and in a a long-term relationship with my wife and maintaining friendships and social interaction. Uh, Anybody who's a parent, I think, can attest to the the challenges of the schedule and the life and the time uh, restraints that you have while still trying to make time for your family. And um, there's been a uniform thing for me that's always rung true, and that's, that's my faith. Um, and I haven't talked about that much on, on this journey through 52 Weeks of Why, but my guest today is, is somebody that, that is really good at lighting the fire of your faith or reigniting the fire of your faith or taking a couple pieces of dry kindling um, and, and giving them to you and watching your fire just, just, just glow and what my one interaction I had with him, I came away from it feeling that, feeling my flame was growing brighter. Um, and and so immediately after that, these people that have had these these impressions on me, I said, man, I, I got to hear, how do you do this? Why do you do this? I have to know, right? But uh, before I get into uh, introductions of my guest, as always, I have a, a quote. Um, this one is from a, a dear mentor that I've never met that if if you've watched any of these, you know I quote Jim Rohn regularly. Um, And this one is is very clear and concise from Rohn. It's it's put everything you've got into everything you do. You'll know if it's right or wrong soon enough and can make a change that much sooner if it's not right. Um, Jim Rohn's very big on this this concept that, that you go all in and you go all in quickly and you go all in decisively. And if it's wrong, that's okay. You learn that lesson that it's wrong very quickly and you can make shifts very quickly as a result of that. And the more you try, the more you get it wrong, the more often you get it right, right? This goes to uh, Michael Jordan always says, hey, everybody always talks about the shots I make, but they don't talk about the tens of thousands of shots that I've missed. Um, and I think he even had a quantitative number. He even knew how many shots he missed in the midst of saying that. Um, very cool thing. And I think that, that you know, we, we all are, are prone to making bad decisions and mistakes. And, and Mr. Rohn, for me, always hits home with his quotes. Um, so my guest today is Todd Gong, where Todd uh, is, is an amazing motivational speaker, uh, is an amazing coach, um, and, and what, what attracted me to his, his message was he came to an Ignite, Fairway Ignite Coaches Summit and spoke about one of his books that he's written. And um, the book is Lead for God's Sake. And 
as you can imagine, me talking about how impactful our conversation was and reigniting the fire of faith in me. Um, it was very, very impactful for me to hear him talk uh, at our coaches' summit. Now, he's he's highly involved in the sports world, um, so bear with us if we use some sports analogies today and we talk a little bit about sports. Um, that's the realm that he helps people in and with his coaching. Uh, first, Todd, thanks so much for taking time with me today. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you, William. My, my pleasure to be here, man. Um, now, I, I want to talk a little bit about your your family. Um, I believe that, uh, if I remember correctly, you are a dad and you, you, you do have a relationship. Can you share with us your, your how long you've been uh, a father and how old your children are? Yeah, man, I've been married for coming up on 26 years now. And I actually married my high school sweetheart. And we date, we had dated like eight years prior to that. So, um, my goodness, we're coming up on like, what is that? 34 years or something. I mean, like I, we, we've definitely grown up together. Um, I took her out. I think she was 15 on our first date. So I don't recommend that by the way, now that I have a 16 year old, especially. Um, but so, uh, that's been just an awesome journey. I have three kids. One's 19 and uh, graduated last year. Um, one is 16 and a sophomore in high school. And one, we adopted a little boy from Haiti uh, years ago, and he is now nine and in third grade. So got kind of uh, a full spectrum there um, from a family standpoint that definitely keeps me, uh, keeps me hopping, keeps us both hopping, obviously. Um, yeah, I can't imagine because I have like my oldest is is your youngest age, and I can't imagine having um, my oldest daughter and also juggling the responsibility and emotional energy and effort it takes to have a teenager. Um, and then again, um, a young adult, right? Because a nineteen year old is 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 moving off and and um, living their own life now and. I can't, I can't even uh, begin to conceptualize that yet, right? It makes my heart hurt talking and thinking about it because I, I, I'm always told it goes fast, right? Um, so when you, when you came to speak at the Ignite Coaches Summit, um, you, you talked to us about your book, and I want to hit on that because the book, I, I've since, I hadn't read it at the Coaches Summit, but I've since read it, um, and I want you to talk about first you know, a little bit about the book and, and how it was written and when it was written um, and how now it and you have kind of resurfaced with the knowledge and the information from the book, because that was a powerful story for me to hear. Yeah, so it was written um, 10 years ago. Um, I had just come off. I mean, my background was I was an assistant college basketball coach for a little over a decade. It was an NAIA school, so now I kept my day job. I was actually trying to climb the ladder in the business world a family business, and then was also an owner in my own business. Um, and then eventually, actually, you know, as I was running in the sports and the business world parallel, really became passionate about leadership and culture and kind of how do you build, what is it, you know, kind of what's the secret to both of those things? Because I had a, you know, a team that I was building in the business world and a team that I was trying to build in, in the sports world as an assistant coach. So, um, became obsessed with the topic of, like I said, leadership and cultural development and just read a lot of books and, and then had a five-year period, three of which I, 
I was brought into a um, large uh, private equity owned company, manufacturing company to trans help lead a transformation of their culture. And then eventually we were bought by a public company and they, um, I was then you know, part of a senior executive team to try to kind of spearhead that merger and transformation of their culture at the same time. So the full gamut in the business world and in the sports world and really passionate about leadership, felt called to write a book um, on the you know, philosophies and principles that I felt like had been got and kind of opened my eyes to over the years and had no idea I was going to write it as a parable. Um, it was laid out, you know, I had the outline laid out. It was going to be step one, step two, step three. This is how you, you know, transform the heart of your, heart of your culture and, um, you know, struggled with it for weeks and then eventually really felt called to start over with a short story. And again, I'm thinking, I don't know how to write fiction. I don't read a lot of fiction and, um, but I'll try maybe a couple pages and then go into my, and, um, you know, really what ended up happening is, I mean, that was, that was the plan. God had a much bigger plan than I did. And so as I started writing this book, it just, you know, I tell people it came out like, you know, nothing I've ever experienced in terms of how it flooded out of my heart. And, um, and as it started, as I started getting it out to different people that I trusted that were giving me feedback on, and I continued to kind of organically, people just they could tell that it was, you know, I would tell them I, I didn't, I mean, like I, I had a ton of help from above writing this thing. And um, they could, you know, confirm that over and over, like, wow, this thing has really hit me deep. And it's an emotional read, as you know, William. I mean, like, it's, it's an emotional read. And so the story, um, it's a sports setting, but it's about so much more than sports in terms of, you know, people always, I've had people read it that hate sports and they're like, oh my gosh, I loved it. It's really, it's a story about life the story, you know, we're all pursuing, we're all, you know, trying to, you know, make our way in this world and pursuing great things. And often we lose sight of, you know, as a result of those great things, we lose sight of the best things in our pursuits. And that's where the, the power of purpose comes in. And why do you really do what you do? And why are you here? And that's kind of the, the central, real central theme of that, that leadership book. So. Yeah, you're almost, I mean, having you on 52 Weeks of Why after reading that book and knowing that the book hits home this concept so profoundly, um, I, I would encourage anyone who hasn't read it to read it because the exploration of um, your greater purpose, your why, your calling, um, the, the requests that you've made of the universe and seeking that answer, um, all of those things are addressed so succinctly in the parable that you write about. Um, so understanding that the book was written quite some time ago um, and you, you used that book or that book became a platform through which your, your coaching expanded outside of being a coach of the team. Um, share a little bit about how that transition took place. Yeah, you know, I, I tell people a lot, you know, these days it's, there's a, there's a lot of folks I'll say, Hey, you know, start your consulting business or coaching business and then write a book to kind of promote it. Well, I did it backwards. <laughs> I wrote, I, I, I had the season that I knew I was supposed to write. I didn't have, I really didn't have a clue where it was going to go. I just needed these things I was supposed to share. And when I did that, as it grew, I began to get all these requests and, you know, even from a coaching standpoint, you know, early on, I'm like, man, you know, the philosophies that are in that book are very, you know, not completely unique, I guess, but 
definitely different than the traditional coaching in the traditional sense. And so I always like to tell people it's more, you know, we call it an executive janitor coach where you're really there more to serve. It's not as much, you know, you get into, you can get into the goals and objectives and things, but it's so much more about how can I really help you? How can I really make sure you're finding peace in your life and you're developing the whole person mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. And you know, that, because that was the central theme in the book, that's just kind of what it evolved in. I started getting asked to go to all kinds of teams and come in and speak to teams and some of these high profile, you know, sports coaches, obviously some of the most successful coaches in the country um, were starting to invite me in to, to really interact with them personally and then also maybe to interact with their team and their staff. And, you know, same thing with some CEOs and, and uh, folks like that. So it's been really cool you know, just a really cool experience for sure, but nothing that I could have orchestrated on my own. I had no idea it would be what it is today. So, Yeah, what I love, the reason I wanted you to share that before we get into your why is because it's, it's okay to do things in your own way, which may be what the world would tell you is backwards. Um, it's okay to, to follow uh, a calling or a gift that the universe is giving you, which may be out of order with the way you think it should take place. Um, because the the why will ultimately lead you down the path of, of where you should be and down the path that is best for you, not the path that other people think you should be on, right? Um, and you're a, a shining example of how that, that path um, may have not followed the traditional trajectory, right? But but yet here you are um, exemplifying that so well and living it so well. Uh, and that, that's that perfect segue into um, you sharing with us what's your why. Yeah. So there's there's really two parts to my why, and and I'll I'll give you a little, I mean, background on it. I can tell you that I I ran after it, and even even kind of discovered a lot of what I felt were the core logistics of, you know, your purpose, your why, you know, into my late twenties and early thirties. And during that time, I mean, I was pursuing everything that I thought I was supposed to be pursuing, trying to climb the ladder, trying to be my best, trying to, you know, be the best in sports world, best in the business world. And <clears throat> what I, what I found was, again, I kind of lost sight of there's, there's two, I believe that there's two, um, main, you know, components of your purpose, your why. The first one has to do with the doing element of it. That's your gifts, your opportunities, and passions. The second one, which is foundationally, um, has more to do with relationships. And what I believe happens all the time is we get so focused on, well, I'm passionate about, I just love this, and I'm really good at this, and this is my opportunity, so this is my purpose. Well, Here's, here's, my, here's the news to you. Number one, your gifts, passions, and opportunities are going to change over the course of your life. So to say that that is your ultimate purpose, God didn't create you to be a football player. Because when you're 40, I mean, unless you're Tom Brady, you're not going to be playing football when you're 40. <laughs> you know, and, and for sure are going to be playing it no matter what when you're 50. And so, you know, is our purpose really something our ultimate purpose is it something that ends no is it something that you know 
can be fulfilled by achieving all of these accomplishments? You know, no. So those things, those doing aspects are important, but they're secondary. They're the secondary aspect. They have to be built on something that's the primary aspect, and that's the being part, which is relationship. So for me, what is my why when you ask me that? Yeah, you know, I, I, I have it articulated in a long sentence that's kind of for myself. As a man of God, I, you know, I choose to live my life for the ultimate purpose of why I believe God put me here on this earth, to glorify him through the relationships that he's put in front of me. That's in just, that's what my foundation is because nothing, nothing in my life that I should pursue or could pursue should compromise anything that's in, within that foundation. That's what I strongly believe. And what happens is a lot, a lot of people pursue their passions or their gifts or talents or opportunity. And they think, you know what, I'll, I'll spend time with my family when I, get, when I reach all this success. Or I'll take care of, you know, my spouse and I will be able to do this if I do this. My kids, I'll, they'll have a lot more if I do this. And then later on down the line, we'll do, you know, and the reality is it's out of order because that spouse is a part of your foundation relationship here. Those teammates, that God has put around you, that's relationship, that's part of foundation. And so don't, you know, it's, I, I always like to give the example, it's kind of in concentric circles. And if you're married, that spouse is number one here on this earth, and you, you have your kids right with that. Um, obviously, you know, beyond that, there's the team that you're put around, your neighbors, the people that are close to you, the people that, anybody that crosses your path that you have the opportunity to enrich their life, that's a part of the foundation and nothing you do should ever compromise that. And so that's where for me, I think I really believe a lot of, and I mean, like we drive anxiety in a lot of young people when we say they find that one thing. Well, first of all, that one thing is going to be, it's going to fluctuate and it, you have to keep it secondary. You should still search for it. It's fine, but don't lose sight of you can live your purpose today. I don't care if you're 12 or if you're 90, you can live your purpose foundationally if you keep it set on relationships. And, and again, as I said from the beginning, I believe God created us, loves us, wants relationship first and foremost with us. And so for me, the, to keep the foundation of those, all those other relationships healthy, my faith is at the core of that. It's at the center of all those things. I don't prioritize my life, God first, everything else after that. Reality is the way we judge our priorities is time. And for most of us, when we go, wow, how much time are we spending on this or this? We, we, we'd see a different story. I believe that, like I said, if God loves, I mean, if we really believe that, then we should want to put God in the center of everything else. So my relationship with my wife, he's in the center of. My relationship with my kids, the center of. My pursuits in business, he's in the center of. So that's kind of, it's maybe a little more complicated than you wanted an explanation for the why, but I believe, again, the key is, is why do you do what you do, but also why are you here on this earth? That's the foundational, and it has to stay in that order or we get in trouble, I believe, really fast. Yeah, I think that, that you hit on something that's, um, well, first, let me, I want to go back and I want to re-articulate your why to make sure um, that, that I emphasize that out of the explanation because I feel like the way that you frame it is very important and helpful to people who may be on the journey of discovering their why regardless of their age um, but your why 
that one sentence is to glorify God in the relationships that you're presented with. Yeah, that's, that's a very simple way to, yeah, to articulate. You could say that a bunch of different ways. Love, relationships, I mean, you know, all based on why I believe I'm here on this earth. And so, again, yeah, absolutely. That's, a, that's the simplest way yep. to put it as a foundation. Good. So now coming out of your why, the way that you frame that is, is really helpful because I feel like some people, when I've talked to people about this, this journey that I'm on, going through 52 weeks of why, there are people who feel that their why um, isn't important enough to be interviewed about. There are people who feel that their why is, isn't big enough and doesn't compare enough. Because some of the people that I've asked their why, um, they, it, it's been a, a 15 or 20-year journey for them to get to their why. And it comes across as that. It comes across as, as very well-articulated and very selfless and very big. And I feel like um, the way that you framed this is, is this, it's not about the size or magnitude of your why, um, it's how it, it fills that concentric circle and how it impacts your relationships. People, when they say that, they're confusing the why with the passions and the opportunities and the gifts, which is not the, the right answer to the why. The why is that, that foundation, that relationship-based circle that that is your your core and helps you arrive at the the methodology for making decisions and the methodology for whether it's a wise investment of your time i really appreciate that you finished with that um because how we spend our time and who we spend our time with is is an indication of your why um and it's 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 so big um so did i i think i i circled back and covered that correctly? Did I do a good job of that? You did a great job. I mean, you, you nailed it, William. You got, you, you captured the essence for sure. That's it. So when you are, um, before I go into some of my normal questions, when you're talking with somebody who is, who is struggling with that, because right now their why in their mind may be a passion. Um, how do you help someone explore below the, the underlying factors of that fashion, or excuse me, that passion to find the true foundation of what motivates them and find their why? Yeah. Uh, again, you know, the biggest thing I go back to is, and, and this is where, you know, like with some of the people that I have the opportunity to work with, I talk to them about, you know, take some time in your, and, and, and draw up your concentric circles, you know. Who's in the bullseye? Your family. Who's right outside of that? You know, the people that you work with, you know, the, and I'm not just talking, this is the other really important part of that. I'm not just talking about the people that you really like spending time with. I'm talking about the people God put in your path. So there's people we work with, all, all, most of us, that we don't like. Now, we're called to love them. That's a, because love is a choice. And that's why I believe it's central to my foundation so right outside of that, there could be some people that really rub me the wrong way. Like they just, you know, sandpaper people, so to speak, you know, they just wear on you. But at the same time, they're still part of that call to how can I encourage them? How can I be there for them? How can I support and serve them? You know, like all that. And so I think, you know, a couple of things, I think it's really important to 
focus on that first. And this is where I go back, you know, I'm talking to, you know, thousands of student athletes over the, really students period. They don't have to all be athletes, but I look at them and I can tell they're struggling with what you just, you said, oh, well, you know, passionate about the sport. How is this? And, I, and I'm always like, look, forget about those things on the top of the pyramid that I, I want you first to get in mind who, like what you are a human being. And it's not, I mean, I didn't make this up. You're a human being, not a human doing. So focus on what's the being part of that first. Who are the people in my life? And then if your passions cause you to compromise, sacrifice, hurt those relationships, I promise you someday at the end of your life often, you will have regrets. You will be laying on that deathbed and studies have shown this. I won't mention any names of some of the, some of the quote unquote greatest inventors or people that have impacted society in huge ways through this platform and purpose. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, you know, this is amazing. They impacted millions and millions and millions. And yet at the end of the li their life, they were miserable because they realized, wow, my wife and my daughter is horrible. My daughter can't stand me because I was never there for her. My son is a wreck in his life and his whole family and for generations is gonna, because I wasn't there for him, you know? This person that worked for me for three years and went off of them, like, I wasn't there. You know, I mean, like, those are the things that someday we're going to come back to. So I encourage people, I'm like, look, form, focus on that foundation first. And then as you're pursuing those things, you know, make sure you stay, you keep everything in order. I get the comment all the time, William, and you see this on the cover of the book. Lou Holtz said it. You know, I wish I'd read this book 30 years ago. And I get emails and comments from people all the time. Man, I wish I'd read this 25 years ago, 30 years ago. Over the years, as I've kind of thought more deeper about that comment, what does that mean? What are they thinking? What in my own life would I, because I can relate to that. I wish I'd have gotten this earlier in my life. Why? Well, because when I was in my 20s and even early 30s, I sacrificed a lot of relationships. I burned a lot of bridges. I spent time, I mean, I sacrificed my health in a lot of ways. I mean, and I sacrificed, my faith wasn't as strong. My relationship with Christ wasn't as strong. So I can look and go, why would I say that? Because I spent 15 years running after those things at the expense of the things that mattered most, those foundational things. How about I get focused on what those foundational things are first? And then I come back get passionate about staying true to those things. So I always tell people like I got, in fact, I got it on today because I'm doing another video there, but purpose over passion, purpose over passion shirt. Can you see that? I mean, like, yep. I love both of these terms, but your purpose, passion doesn't, shouldn't be try to, it shouldn't come before purpose. It's the other way around. Know your true ultimate foundation of your purpose and then get passionate about living and pursuing those things with purpose as your foundation. You know, pursue those gifts and talents and opportunities, but keep your ultimate purpose as the foundation. And I think that's, I think we're missing that in a big time way often in society. And, you know, I, I just, that's what causes the regrets when we're 60, 70, 80. When I share my story of my son coming in a room when I'm crying, and I won't, I won't get into it today, but 
but I look around the room and I see people that are 50s, 60s, 70s with tears in their eyes. And, and I know they can relate because they went, man, I pursued this life. I, I achieved this and this and this and this and this. But I did it at the expense of this. You know, true purpose is going to. Yeah, I think um, we, I, when I talked with, um, I think it was Josh Metal and I, when we had a conversation, we, we used some nautical expressions to relate to the why um, and that compass, right? That, that barometer, uh, whatever term you want to use to help you understand that the why, as you so well articulated, is, is the foundation, is the purpose, is what allows you to make decisions that are in line with your why. And, and it, it's not to imply, I love that you never give any indication that passion is bad. It's not to imply that passion is bad, right. as long as that passion is, is in line with your purpose and in line with your why. Totally. And if, if, we can, if we can get, especially in the educational system, where you, you hit on this so well, that like, you know, we're, we, we teach people so much to be about their passion. Well, what are you good at? What are you passionate about? Let's talk about these careers that you could go down. Um, and it's amazing to me that that search for purpose and things that are important. And I suppose that this also explains why I'm in this transitionary period with my why. After becoming a dad, it was very clear to me that that foundation, all of my decisions were based around um, spending as much time as I could with those who were the most important to me. Um, and, and now I've, I've migrated that into, I, I want my children to have a good place to live and grow up. So I've become more philanthropic and more dedicated to my community and more interested in helping other, other philanthropic organizations with, with their efforts because it's, yes, it's all rotating around my desire to, to improve the life of my child and my wife and my relationship with them. But at the same time, I'm also taking time away from them in these philanthropic efforts to try to make their lives better sometime down the road. Um, and that's the first time I've been able to articulate that this well because of just this conversation that we're having. So um, I get the impression you, you've got these two facets to the why, have, has this always been your why? Was this your why when you were 12 or 13? Or is this something, is this number 15 in the list of whys? Um, kind of help us understand how you arrived at this and if it's always been there. Yeah, and you know, kind of, again, it was a journey. And, and I will tell you that, like I said, I mean, in my late 20s, I really, I, I, I thought I had it figured out. And I, again, I, I just, I, I was talking about the importance of finding the why, but I just missed the foundation of relationship. And, you know, again, 32, I kind of had this eye-opening experience that where I feel like God kind of knocked me upside of the head. It was like, Todd, you can accomplish the world, but if you do it at the expense of your relationship with your son, your wife, you know, God, I mean, like all of those things you never really were your best. And so you kind of, that, that happened when I was like 32, 33 years old. And even so it's still, even today, I'm going to be 50 in less than two weeks. Um, and so, you know, coming up on that big, big birthday and, you know, even now, I mean, I find it, there are days when I struggle staying true to my why, when I go 
home and my kids, you know, they want time. My son wants to, you know, he's nine years old. I'm, I'm 41 years older than him. So the energy isn't like it used to be. And he wants to play. And I'm like, ah, oh, I don't, you know. But again, I'm constantly reminded of, hey, that, that's first time. That's first. You know, that's foundational. Um, God put him, that little boy, in your life for a reason. And um, so, you know, I think the journey for me, you know, when I was, when I was young, it was about having fun, and which is for most of us, you know, we're serving ourselves. We get into our teenage years, we're really not worried too much. We start thinking, late teenage years and college years especially, kids are starting to go, why am I here? You know, what's my purpose? And then, and then, you know, after that, I mean, it's a constant theme. Like, why is, what's the point of this? Now, a lot of times we just don't find it, but we're asking it. And for me, I followed that same pattern. But now, you know, again, like I said, my, my hope is, is, especially as I speak to young people, it's like, look, you don't have to worry about all that secondary stuff like maybe we were taught to do in the past. Who are the people God's put in your path first, man? You can wake up to, you know, tomorrow morning and you got a friend that's hurting and needs your encouragement. You got a friend that's lost all confidence or all hope or whatever. Call him up and go, hey, man, you got this. I got your back. Just listen to him. Be there for him. You know, if you're on a team, be an encouragement to a struggling teammate. If you're in a class, if you're, you know, you got siblings, are you encouraging and serving your, I mean, like, there's so many things that you can do to live your purpose, the relationship aspect of your purpose out every day. And so once I got that, you know, I just started, man, it, it really changed everything for me. And it's probably why, you know, I tell people all the time, I've only written one book in the last 10 years. Well, you know what, when the season is right and I have the time, I'll do it. But I'm not going to sacrifice my family for all those hours. Now, there's other things that I could sacrifice too. And, I, you know, I, I just haven't found that perfect mix like some others have. So I'm not, there's, this is not bashing the, the in fact, I, I got a lot of great friends that are able to, to balance things better than I am in their schedules. And they're, they're certainly living out their purpose as they're doing that. But for me, it's just been, you know, when the season's right, I'll get, I'll get that done. And there's other things that I, I want to create, but I've just been very careful in this season. I've coached my son, my oldest son. I coached him all the sports that he wanted me to coach him in. As long as he wanted me to, I did it. He, you know, I mean, if, if dad and son start having this conflict, then I'm not. But it was, you know, same with my daughter and my younger son. I'm going to be there for them and the people in my life that God's put in my path. I'm going to continue to try to be there for them, too. And, and so... That's first and foremost. And um, um, there are a couple of messages I got from that. Number one, that it's okay if you didn't know your why when you were seven or eight years old. We all kind of judge ourselves against those examples um, because there are those examples of people who just knew it when they were young and it's been their why forever. And, and if you're not that person, that's okay, right? The journey of, of finding your why is, is very, it, it can be long for a lot of people who may not discover it until they've, they've aged into it a little bit. Um, so if you were to guess, I mean, you, you emphasized a couple different ages there. If you were to guess you've had um, single digits of, of iterations of, of Todd or why, or, or is it, are we branching out? Is, is it truly uh, 10, 12, 14 or more? To, to really find the why? Is that what you, I mean, 
yeah, yeah. I, th I think kids, I mean, kids just need to be kids. They're not worried about, you know, you teach kids to want to serve others and love others, man. That's the most important thing we can instill in our kids when they're there. Seven, eight, nine, ten, because that's right away is that starting to wire them to think more along the lines of how can you how can you be a blessing to others in life? You know, how can mm -hmm. you value your relationships? So I think that's number one. Using the the terminology of hey, this is your purpose, you can do that, but I just think kids when they're that age, you know, 10, 11, 12, they're like, look, I I my my why do you do what you do? Because I want to have fun. I mean, that's a kid. And you know what? That's all right. That's great. You know, have fun while you're, you're not forgetting to help others have fun too. You know, that's the biggest thing I'd say for those young ages. But then as they get into their teenage years, you know, talking to them about, man, you know, not just why do you do what you do in terms of what do you want with your life? Because what is that asking you? What do you want with your life? Well, there's a component of that. There's a component of truth to that. But there's also a dangerous thing that we're doing in society saying, life is all about you. Whatever you want, whatever you feel good about, whatever you, and it's like, you know, I, I could see a lot of people that live that way and were really successful. And then at about 50, 60, 70, at some point, they all went, wow, how empty is that? I burned yeah, bridges. I may, I may have missed the boat on that. Yeah, right? I well, burned bridges. Those are the guys. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think when they get into their teens and, and 20s, especially, we need to start helping kids understand that, hey, you're not here just to serve you, man. You're here for others. And if we all take that mentality, what a great, great thing we're going to find in our society when, when all of us are look, starting to look out for each other instead of blame each other, hurt each other, get even with each other, hold grudges against each other. I mean, that's what the broader culture is trying to teach us. And you yep. know, that's where we need more of a message of, hey, man, this life is too short. Be about others, man. Be about others. So this, your why is so impactful. Um, is this, does Todd wake up in the morning and it's just go time? Like you wake up and all cylinders firing and this is it? Or do you, do you, do you have to, do you have a routine that you go through in the morning to get this why fired or kind of help us with, with the, that morning get up and get going with the why? You know, that's a, it's a really, really important question, William, that you asked, because I mean, like for me, routine is, I'm not very good at structure and routine throughout the course of my day, but I will say this, my mornings, I protect them like a lion. My mornings are quiet. I get up, I, I make my coffee, obviously that's, you know, that's a key, but, but I sit down and I spend time reading flat out in the word. So I'm reading the Bible first thing in the morning. That's the first thing I really want to lay my eyes on. Um, I have a journal. Sometimes I, I journal what I'm reading. Sometimes I journal prayers. Sometimes I journal notes and thoughts and ideas. But I, you know, my first half hour to 45 minutes, almost a minimum. Sometimes it's longer than that. But that's the start of my day. And I believe that grounds me. Now, I'm reading all kinds of different things. Now, if you, you look on that post that I shared with you earlier, if you check out the Facebook page, you're going to see, you know, this morning I was into specific, you know, I just flipped through, turned to Philippians, which is one of my favorite passages and really encouraging for the days we're in. But yeah, that morning time, I think is so important. And 
I think people are starting their mornings off, checking their messages. Did I get any emails? Did I get any texts? And, um, you know, man, let me see what's happening in the news. Don't do that. <laughs> because it's a race. It's a race to freak you out. You know what I mean? And it's going to be, it's going to be, what could happen and all the bad that's happening because they're racing for eyeballs because today in this, you know, the social media structure or the digital media structure we've built eyeballs are money. So the more eyeballs you get, the more money you get for marketing dollars, all this other stuff. So that's the race. And so, man, I, I encourage people all the time, like don't, you can be informed, but please don't start your day there and please don't spend much of your day there because that'll wreck you faster than anything because it's just, very very small percentage of it is actually truth and that's that's the other thing i start my day off like that but i really try to manage like i have to be on social media but man i caution my friends and everybody else i'm like i'll post things now and then but i really try to manage it and not be on it i try not to buy into the hype and read all the other stuff because there's just too many agendas out there that are really really dangerous right now and they're if they're if they're talking if they're trying to get us to hate somebody else to blame somebody else to stir up anger or fear last i checked none of those things ever solved any problem ever so they're not helpful so i don't know why we buy into it so anyways, I mean, well, it's, a, it's a heightened emotion, right? The heightened emotion is what yeah, gets them. That's what pulls, it ropes people in and it becomes a whirlpool. And it, and it, and then we, it does because it sucks you down in and then you're in that whirlpool. And to your credit, if you start your day off that way, um, it doesn't, it's not helping your why. It's not furthering your, your, your relationships. It's not building people up or encouraging them. Um, Todd, I want to be a good steward of your time. Before we uh, wrap up, do you have any, any final thoughts, anything that we didn't touch on that I, I know you had in your mind that you wanted to share? No, I mean, uh, this, this was great, William. I appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity to share. And I mean, you know, you, we, got, we got right to the core of where my heart is, hopefully to encourage people and their, their opportunities in leadership and their opportunities in the cultures that they're within. This why thing is everything. I mean, really, it really is. If, if all of our teammates, if, if we can get that message throughout the organizations that we're with or the teams that we're on and everybody in there really buys into, hey, this is about relationships more than anything else. When we're working together, when we're working through tough times, when we're faced with challenges, when we have teammates that are struggling, I mean, we're going to make the right decisions you know, more and more as we continue to focus on the right foundation in our lives. Hey, these relationships matter. These people matter. And um, so that's, you know, that's, that's what I would leave you with more than anything else. But uh, I appreciate the, the stuff that you've uh, allowed us to uh, kind of dialogue through today because I think it's important stuff. Yeah, and my hope is, is that over this year, over 52 weeks of hearing 52 different people share what their why is, that one would ignite that spark in somebody that they go, that's it, or, or create a fork in the road for them to show them that the path that they're on doesn't have to be the path that they're going down. If they prioritize their passions over their purpose, um, understanding that there, that there is a way to, to change the, the velocity and the direction 
where they're going and and helping them see that 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 this purpose that you establish when you have a why is not something that holds you down it's not a weight that you carry but instead it's something that lifts you up it's something that provides you with buoyancy it's something that gives you um the purpose we keep going back to that word of purpose um and i think that this this journey for me uh, it was a calling for me to do this it was a 2 a.m wake up in the middle of the night you need to do this voice and and here i am right on the journey of doing it and it's so interesting to me and um you're you're one of the the forefront in my mind after reading your book it was like man this guy is is actually an expert in this topic um and so we went a little long and and thanks to everybody who who listened to all of this and todd for your time i i could do this we, i have so many more questions i could ask you but in the interest of keeping this brief and and people engaged um thank you for your time for your knowledge for your um kindling that you throw on people's fires for your writing and, and for your example of faith and fatherhood and family. Um, I, I appreciate it. And I, I appreciate the time that you've given to us today. Awesome, man. Well, like I told you, it was a blast to be here. And I thank you for the opportunity. Corinne.